Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It may be episode 13, but it's definitely not an unlucky one for us. Yes, there's not much football to talk about again, but if you continue listening, we've got a surprise for you tonight. Welcome to the Premier Non-League Podcast. This is the Premier Non-League Podcast. Trevor, we've kicked the rest of them out tonight because we've, we've had enough of them, really. No, no I'm only joking, but um, Trevor and I are going to be um, interviewing a non-league legend. I'm coming right up. So, Trevor, how are you doing? Okay, you okay this evening? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Looking forward to this one. I think this will be uh, an, another good one this evening. I mean, we've had some good guests, haven't we? You know, since we have, so... Yeah, and obviously I can fanboy again over in a former Charlton player, so you always give me hassle over that on this uh, podcast. So uh, I yeah, can excuse, do a little excuse bit. Excuse me while I have a, a kick bit. for the first twenty minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll sort of like flirt about Charlton off the air or something for you. But uh, without further ado, Trevor, because there really isn't much to talk about in non-league again, is there? No, not no, there isn't. Not a lot going on whatsoever. Well, I mean, when you think about it, there is only one non-league division going. That's the national league yeah. itself. And that is, I mean, this is what you might find with the Premier Non-League podcast over the next couple of months. Like, we'll get the chaps in next uh, next edition. We'll have a good old catch-up, see what's going on. And I think we're going to try and get interviews done sort of every other week. So um, something ni- nice to continue the Non-League Legend series. Everyone's as they've got a bit more time now that they're not playing football, sadly. So, you know, hopefully we can get a few on the air. But without further ado, Trevor, we're joined by Laurie Wilson. So, Laurie, good evening. How are you doing, mate? Thanks for having me, James and Trevor. No, it's uh, really good for coming on. And so if you just saying off air there, thank you very much because it's quite, as as you said as well, it's quite hard to nail a sort of footballer down right now. But as as you're sort of at home, we thought we might give you an hour of our time, you know, and all that just to keep just you know how precious our time is and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but but how have you been like overall like this past year? Because it's you know we've obviously talked through your career and like what what the last sort of couple of years been in non-league, but you know this whole pandemic. How how have you and the family been, mate? Yeah, we've been really well, thank you. I mean, we've been very, very fortunate, very lucky that um, obviously we've got the company that, that, I, that I own um, and my wife actually works with us as well and she, she's an employee with the company. So we've been very fortunate that we've been able to work the whole time through this period. Are you um, saying employee because the room, the door is shut behind you right now and she can't hear what's <laughs> yeah, going on? <laughs> no, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no. So you know, it's, it's just been it's just been really really nice that you know we have been able to work. We've got we've got a son as well. Um, fortunate as well, the nurseries have stayed open. So you know, we we've been very very lucky. The first lockdown as well, we actually sold our house just before. Oh god! Um, but we weren't allowed to go and look at any properties. Because oh. obviously COVID had just started, so we actually had to move back in with my family. Oh my god! Um, but again, it was hard, 
but it was fortunate that actually we had another two people to kind of have conversations with, dialogue, and you know, it wasn't just us as a family. So we were quite lucky then. Um, and obviously now we're, we're, we're in our house, so it's, it's, it's been nice. Um, so yeah, there's been some, some good bits in there. There's some hard bits. I think, I think everyone's getting itchy feet now, aren't they? You know, coming to that end and kind of the end is near. Everyone's fed up of Tesco's and Sainsbury's and Aldi and Lidl. I think that's yeah. the only thing we do right now. We want to go to uh, just one somewhere else. Shop open. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of anything. Even Poundlands is open. You're so sick of that now. And I don't think of anything. Like Primark, <laughs> that's what the missus would say. She wants a Primark open. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, just so got, what... I just want one shop that I can walk around. Oh, and, yeah, like, yeah. Buy, buy something. That's it. <laughs> no, no. So, what is the business you've set up, if you don't mind me asking? Like, if you yeah, so it's a, basically, it's a, it's a life and health insurance. Um, business but it's, it's also under an umbrella of a financial group oh okay so we've got um an investment side so we look after people's pensions sips all of that stuff we've also got an fx with a physical exchange in so you know we've got a lot one of my other the pop business partners he's um background is in formula one mm-hmm. um so he's got a lot of um formula one friends and stuff that transfer a lot of money back and forth the country so okay. we help out a lot with that um, and then I kind of head up the life and health insurance with, you know, Vitality and, and all the rest of the sort of providers. Um, and we've actually just launched during this period, we've just launched like a, um, an insurance, so general insurance. We look after wills. Um, and also now we've just launched another platform, which is called Will You World, um, which is basically for corporate companies and our employees that get all discounts um, through like, two three hundred different companies oh, nice. um, so yeah so no it's been it's been it's been really good we've been able to grow in this lockdown as well so again it's just you know we, we've kind of taken positives from it you know there's been really slow months which is acceptable um but yeah no we've been growing slowly but but good so is that um something that you've been looking at doing over the past few years or is it something you've always wanted to do or is it kind of just thinking like, you know, uh, and this is no offence because we're the same age, but, you know, obviously getting towards the latter years of your playing career, is it looking at what you can do for future support for yourself and your family and everything like that? Yeah, I think I think when, I think any footballers, to be honest with you, when they get to that 30 um, mark, you start, you start being looked at differently by everyone across the whole ball, you know, whether that be looking at you as one-year contracts, whether that looks at you being slow, whether that looks, you know, anything at all. It's kind of like any excuse as soon as you're 30, it's like, oh, you know, we've got to be careful of him, you know, we've got to tread carefully, you can't train every day and all of those things. Um, so, yeah, so I think it was something in my mind that I've done, I've done bits throughout my career, but as I've got older, I've probably concentrated a little bit more, um, learned how to actually come away from football, because when you're younger and, and you all you want to be as a footballer, it kind of it, it takes over your whole world, um, you know, outside of football as well, which, you know, for some people can be a good thing, some people can be a bad thing. Um, but I learned as I got older to sort of departmentalise really football and, and home life, um, which worked quite well. Um, so, yeah, I was doing my degree, I was doing a study in, just, I just tried to get as many sort of strings on my bow as I could kind of before I, I retired, really. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done obviously the coaching badges. I've done a, a Pilates instructor. Mm-hmm. I've done my, I've got a, a, a first in sports writing, journalism and, and broadcasting oh. degree. 
Um, well, Trevor will love that. He he's got his own football journalism blog, so uh, maybe you ask for nice. tips or something. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, mainly Barnet based at the moment. So that's what <laughs> <important>. <laughs> but like you know, just little things like that. I just thought you know, get them under my belt. Just see where I'm at because whether I finish football and I want to be I don't know a PE teacher or you know anything at all, as long as I can sort of have a, have a background with some stuff, I don't want to come out and just be like what do I do now, you know, now, if I did want to, if I do want to go in to do a degree, it's going to take two or three years time, you know, and then I'm suddenly going to be a little bit older, but what am I going to do in that meantime? Whereas I was actually sort of pre doing it. So, you know, on coach trips away, yeah, I was, you know, if there were two or three hour journeys, four hour journeys, I'd be on the coach studying, just, yeah. just using my time a little bit more wisely rather than when I was younger, you know, it was all about, being on the coach, having a laugh, having a joke, you know, which is cool, which you can all still do, but actually there's a lot of time in the day that you're not doing much um, and just try and get as much done really. So that was towards the end of my career I started to do that really. So have you when, found yourself now on the coaches that you're sort of in the boring end of the bus now and you've got all the youngsters like messing around at the back? I'm, like, like, well, I'm like right at the front with my laptop. <laughs> like, don't disturb. Yeah. <laughs> when, when did you actually find time to play football, Laurie? I know, I know, don't listen to me. It, there were some stressful times. My wife was like, you're doing too much. <laughs> <laughs> I just was going to say while we wrap that bit, what's the company called here? I don't know if you're looking for customers, but you never know if someone might listen. It could be an next Yeah, client. so it's, it's, called, it's called Will You Life. Um, the financial group is called Will You Financial Group. So we kind of used, actually, do you know what? I might even have that. <laughs> There you go for listeners. He's actually we just we going we to the back of his room. There we, we go. You can't really see this, like see through. I'll take yeah, a screen. Yeah, I'll take yeah. hold it. Hold it up, Laurie. I'll take a yeah. screenshot of that. Then I'll put it on the. Really? I'll put it on the Twitter. There you go. Can't really see it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was kind of the concept was like, will you? So it's like W I L L U, and then it's will you invest? Will you insure? Will you FX? Will you life? Like you know, just so we could carry on and, and sort of make the company a bit bigger. But it, the whole will you was the process of it. Nice. Very the idea. Clever name, clever marketing. It's like, you know, it's nice to see that, you know, you've seemed to have got plans for the future after the football in life and you seem quite excited about it when you're talking about it and I guess lockdown that might be one of the positive things for you is that you've been able to work hard on the brand and the company and get yourself sort of a bit of a solid base, am I right? Yeah, I mean, do you know what? The first lockdown, I've got um, I've got a friend that's that's quite high up in football, like just knows quite a lot of people, and you know, go on, name just, drop, name drop, go on. No, no, no. He's, <laughs> he's just he's just kind of he's not he's never he's been a footballer, but not like big time. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's behind the scenes, so he's done sort of agency work, but he's actually now works for clubs, if you know what I mean. So he's like the other side of the fence. Yeah. And uh, we had a really like good long conversation and he kind of just said to me, he was like, look, you're at that age now. He was like, you don't know where your next kind of contract's coming from. Um, the money that I was earning at Ebsfleet as well, which was, you know, because of the, I was very, very lucky to be at that level and earning the money. So it was kind of like, I knew that I wasn't going to get that again. You know, so it was kind of like, well, whatever I'm going to get next is going to be chops you know, halved and halved again and whatever it might be. So it was kind of like, right, well, actually, the company was doing so well at the time. He, he, he just laid it out for me and he kind of just said, look, 
now's your time that you really need to consider and you kind of say, COVID's hit, all football's off. You know, maybe try and look at concentrating a little bit more on the company because you're not going to be playing football anyway. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then you kind of see when it comes to the end of that year, see where you're at. Um, and yeah, you know, I sat and had a good long chat with my wife and my mum and dad and, and lots of people just asking their opinions and stuff. But, you know, it was so fortunate that I could, the company needed an extra body and it, it made that step for me. And actually, this is my first year where football hasn't been my main source of income. Um, and actually, it's probably been the first year in a long time that, you know, I've gone into training and, and played games and kind of been, just enjoyed it, just enjoyed being there, you know, back to when you was a kid, running around, enjoying football, just playing with some, some friends, having a laugh, having a joke. Like, and it's, and the, the stress is like so much nicer. Nice. So much nicer. So, so it's been, that's why I probably take a lot of positives out of kind of what's happened because although it's forced me into probably doing it, it, it it's probably actually was the most perfect timing for me. Mm. Um, I've still made that decision myself, but actually I was probably put into it, you know, without me kind of knowing as yeah. such. So yeah, so it was good. It's, it's been nice. No, it's good to hear. It's really nice to hear. I mean, I guess that really, you talk about enjoying the football like you were as a kid, you've kind of, really you should be the presenter here because you round it back to the beginning we can now start talking about your career <laughs> and what you used to think like is talk about so we want to roll it all the way back to the beginning of your career i'd say so when you were a kid so you um, grew up in essex am i right in saying yeah and um so you were signed by charlton in 2004 into the youth side am i right so before that what like what was your process to get to charlton like for the youth setup so so if i talk so Anyone would actually think I'd done some journalism, which is why I know how to. <laughs> but it's like, you know, so basically I I started at Charlton when I was about nine or ten. Oh, okay. um, in, in sort of like satellite. Um, I then got transferred to two nights a week, I think it was, at Sparrows Lane from the age of ten. Um, but I actually went to um, I went to boarding school at 13. But I was I was involved. At Charlton, still, they they came to check the boarding school out to make sure that because I was obviously wasn't going to be able to train of an evening because it was so far away, um, they came to make sure that the, the coaches were good enough, um, the school was good enough, all of that kind of thing, and, and you know they were blown away by it. Really, was the boarding so, school recommended for a youth footballer? Was it kind of like did you look? It wasn't at just football, no, because I, I was actually. I mean, yeah, I don't really like blowing my job, but I was I was quite. Bought it. Yeah. So, you know, I was I was quite good at many sports. And this was a, a specialist sort of sporting school. Um, it was called Millfield. Um, it's in Somerset. So, oh, wow. Long way away. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of, obviously, a lot of talented people went to that school in those sort of times that I was there. So, it was kind of the best of the best, but being at school. Um, so, the level was really high. I used to come back, I used to remember, we obviously used to have Saturday school. My dad used to travel all the way to Somerset from Essex, pick me up on a Saturday afternoon after school, drive me home. I used to wake up on the Sunday morning, play football at Charlton, Sparrows Lane or wherever that may be, cut home, have Sunday dinner. And then my dad used to drive me back to Somerset, 
and then come back Sunday night. So literally drop me off, turn around, drive back, and then obviously go to work Monday morning. And that was like every week. That is dedication and a half. I hope you are, I hope you're looking after your family. <laughs> after your he's done all right. He's done all right. He's done, he's done all right. So it must um, you must have had to be like really, you know, for that that is no matter your dad, but even for yourself, that must have been pretty grueling at, at the time and you know you must have been so dedicated and there must have been times at that stage you thought is this really worth it or would you always had that goal in mind of being a, a sort of sportsman yeah I mean I always had that I always had that goal of of being a sportsman I didn't know what it was I didn't know what it was going to be but you know I was because I was quite natural at doing things like I used to, I used to play cricket for England as well oh. um up and up until f- 15 um, so, you know, so I, I was kind of, I, I used to do athletics as well. Right? I used to do all of them and it got to a point where when I actually got to 14, 15, um, even the rugby school, like obviously it's the main rugby school at the time and I actually yeah. went there um, and the rugby, I used to play on the wing and like squish the score so many tries that the rugby, even the rugby people were like fighting with football <laughs> because it was the same seasons and they used yeah. to be like, we wanted to play rugby because the school was so rugby orientated. When I actually signed, when I actually went there, football was kind of the up and coming, and that was the reason why they kind of wanted people like myself to go there to try and grow the football side. Um, but yeah, like I just, I just knew that I was going to play some sort of sport. Just not sure what it was, and I got to sort of fifteen, and I, I actually got bored of cricket. Okay. I used to think, oh, I used to think, I used to have to get there at nine or ten o'clock, and then play all day and then you kind of socialise afterwards and I was like, oh, this is a bit boring. I just want to kind of do what I need to do and then kind of enjoy the rest of like maybe go out, have a night out, like that kind of thing, you know. Um, and I knew that football, I used to be like, oh, football's only a few hours of the day and I'm, I'm off, like I'm done. Um, and that was kind of what I got to that point. And I was just like, I'm gonna, I think I'm just going to throw all my eggs in my basket and play football. Nice. Um and yeah, and then that, and then obviously I got offered the, I got offered the scholarship as well. Obviously a YTS at the time they were called, um, a Charlton, and then that was it. Then I was like, right, I'm going to have to obviously not do sixth form here. Um, my parents made me do A levels. Everyone else was doing their B techs, um, and then yeah, I was like, right, just let's crack on, you know, let's let's sort of have a go at football, and, and that was it really. And, and then you kind of never look back. Um, but you know, I look back now and I think, oh, you know, being a cricketer, how nice would that have been? You know, playing in the summers, playing in the sun, traveling the world. India, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, I've done the wrong sport because I'm yeah. like, I'm doing it all now. <laughs> I yeah. should have just done it playing cricket. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that that was kind of when I the way I got to sort of 15, 16 at, at Charlton, um, and then that was me then full time. Um, we kind of obviously I then moved back home full-time football in every day sort of thing. It must have been quite exciting though, because obviously at that time, Charlton were in the Premier League. So, you know, to sign YTS with that, like how, how was it for you? And, you know, I'm sure football's changed massively since those times and, you know, the youth that are coming up through the systems now. But for you at the time, to say you were playing in the youth system of a Premier League club, it must have been pretty special. Yeah, it was really good at Charlton actually, because not only, I mean, they were, you know, I'm not saying they, they wasn't, but they, they weren't, you know, a top four team. That you know, they they were a very well known family orientated club that were in the Premier League. And actually, more than anything, you, you underappreciate 
as a kid, when I look back now, I underappreciated the players that were there. Yeah. Charlton. And all, all I, I think I do sitting there in League One right now, mate. I think I underappreciated <laughs> it. Been a fan, so yeah, I did. I think a little That's bit. What I mean. But like, all I cared about was at the time was like, right, well, I've got a free ticket to go. You know, I was playing the game in the. I used to play a game on a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and then we used to kind of hang around and then go to the game um, at home if it was at home. Free season ticket, like you know, me and my dad rock up, and I used to think, oh, brilliant! You know, we'll go and watch Bex. We'll go and watch. You know, Ronaldo, gig, like, we'll go and watch any of them, you know, and, and, and that was kind of what it was at the time. But, you know, it packed out stadiums yeah. and, and that was kind of what you what you wanted to be. But I, I didn't understand, obviously, when I got to 16 and 17, and I was kind of, I've been travelling because I was playing in the reserves most of the time. Yeah. So, I'm, and, and in those days, the reserves used to be basically all the players that weren't in the first team. So, for instance, or coming back from injury. So, you know, Mark Fish, you know, yeah. uh, Perry, like yeah. all of those used to be playing week in, week out. Um, like Bartlett, if he was injured, Lisby, yeah. like all of them, Yuli, like they was all there. <laughs> and I would play with them, but I never really realised who they were and what they were doing in the Premier League. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. And then once I left, that was when I was like, oh no, like, I, I, I kind of I missed the chance, um, you know, because I was travelling with them as well. You know, I, I went on probably three or four away trips um, where I was in the squads, you know, that I was travelling to Chelsea in Premier League and not on the bench, but, you know, in the squad. So that if anything happened that night, that on a day in the morning or someone got injured in the warm-up, like, I was kind of next in. And then to kind of go, it was a little bit like, ah, oh, maybe I've missed the boat, but... I had a season in the championship with Colchester and, and I thought, okay, like this might be, you know, my level. Um, and then that didn't really work out because they had a lot of fullbacks, a lot older as well. I was going to say that, just hold you with the Colchester move. Like, obviously you were released from Charlton. Um, you know, you said it obviously, oh no, you missed the boat sort of thing. But how, how was it sort of broken to you like you know was it we, we did Alan Kirby have a say in it or was it just the youth set up on, you know, it must have been, really proper gutting for you um you know as a youth player and you know especially if you travel with the squad what was it what was the feeling like for yourself yeah i mean it was it was it was hard but i was quite um I'd say not cold <laughs> but yeah. you know it hurt and, yeah but because i've been kind of dropped in situations before and kind of you know had to swim kind of thing you know, I got dropped. I got dropped from being, you know, an Essex, an Essex boy. You know, kind of Cockney as such as, as what they related to. Picked up and dropped into a, a private school. You know, we, we, you know, posh, well-spoken people. We, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And mm. I was had to kind of make do and be like, right, actually, you know, this is how you survive in these situations. You know, and then suddenly I'd gone from that to that for three or four years. To then picked up again and dropped back into East, like you know, South, like back in Essex and, and yeah. then back in South London. And then it's like, okay, well, now I'm the posh boy back in South London. And you know, you kind of have that sort of rapport with the, with the young, with, with my own age group, sort of taking the mickey because it made when I actually went to school, I was you know, I was a young boy and, and sort of reckless. 
And when I left there, you know, and the teachers would say that you've actually grown into a man sort of thing and, and, and you're leaving there. And, and I, was, I was always a lot older where um, the, the level of sport that I was playing, I always used to play older. So, you know, I would be 13, 14, but I was playing with, you know, 15, 16 year olds in, in sixth yeah. form. So I always kind of hung around with the older boys. So I always knew how to act sort of and be older than you kind of were. Um, so, yeah, but going back to your question of, you know, what it was like for me after sort of, so Alan had meetings with everyone that, that year at Kirmishley and it was actually the season that he ended up leaving in oh, the summer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so he went around and, and kind of chatted with everyone. People were coming down, you know, I think they only, they actually only kept on, I think two players that season, three players, but that's purely because they had something in their contract as a YTS at the time. Um, but yeah, you know, he sat down with me and he just said to me, it was, it, you know, it was quite fitting because I remember it still now. And he, you know, he said to me, look, you're going to basically, you've got all the attributes and attitude to be a professional footballer. Like you, you hundred percent be a professional footballer. It just right now, you're not what we need at Charlton. And what I mean by that, he's saying, is that you're probably another year or two years, maybe even three years, away from playing in the Premier League. Yeah. And right now, I need players that are going to be able to be put straight in or be there or thereabouts, which, you know, was understanding. And he made a couple of examples. You'll probably remember um, Turner, Mickey Turner. Um, yeah. You know, and he made a couple of examples of him and he said, you know, he's, He's another one. He will be a professional footballer, but not here right now. You know, he yeah. needs to go out and, and find his level and, and, and maybe come back to haunt us. So, you know, that was that that stuck with me. And I, I and I was probably lucky, you know, I don't know whether he said that to everyone, like who knows, but it stuck with me. And and I came away from it and I was thinking, right, okay, go and find your level. That was yeah. that was my thing. Go and find your level, go and play. I probably went to Colchester thinking that. I would just walk in because I've come from a Premier League team. Yeah. Um, and that was very naive of me. But, you know, that's where I met Jacko anyway. So take some positives from Is that friend, friends for life then, was it? Then, I guess. Friends for life after that. So, you know, yeah. and to be honest with you, there's, I think there's one, two, there's, there's three of us from that team. Um, all They're all older than me. Obviously, we were the same age as Johnny, really. Uh, we still we're still in a group now yeah that we no, still talk to we still go on holiday together we still play you know go on golf trips and, and all the rest of the stuff when we're allowed what's that what's that um, called i forgot what all those things above yeah. were. What, <laughs> golf what's golf what's uh holidays <laughs> what's that i don't know what that is at the moment, mate. Yeah. I know. um so yeah so like all of that stuff it, it kind of that's come from it but colchester i then only was only there for a season hmm. left there and when and actually signed for a non-league, Stevenage. Mm. Um, and that was a really, really, really big move. And even yeah. my dad, who doesn't, doesn't say much on football at all. Like, does, my dad's never been one of those parents. He's not a pushy parent. You know, he's very much just had talks to me as and when, um, just gives his opinion on, on, on the games and what he thinks, and, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and he even said to me, you know, he, is it good to 
come out of the league. The Premier Non-League Podcast. Because didn't you have a little taste of non-league for at Welling? Were you on loan at Welling for a little bit while you were at um, Colchester? Yeah, well, that didn't, that didn't go too well. <laughs> sent, sent off after 27 minutes on your first uh, first game, weren't you? <laughs> first game, sent off. I was, there, I was there for a month. Yeah. I was sent off the first game, so I missed the next two. And then I think I played another one or two games and then was and then got sent and then got sent back because the right back got injured and they wanted to make sure they had cover um for the lad that did play and I was like oh that went well um, yeah. so yeah so I mean I had I knew what it was I knew what I was going into and the reason why I signed at Stevenage as well was because you know they were they were a good club at that time in that league and I and I truly believed that they would probably go up um at some stage you know, and even the fact that I had a training ground, all of those things that I didn't even in my head think that non-league team wouldn't have that. You know, so to have that was was just seemed normal to me in that, at that level. So it's quite a good thing. Um, so yeah, so I signed there. Obviously, was there for kind of four and a half year, four four and a bit years then. Um, and yeah, we obviously had the most unbelievable squad and. Um, run and manager and stories and, and all the rest of the stuff, you know, it goes with it. Um, which then obviously that whole time as well was just everything went on. And that season before I signed back at Cholton um, and then from there, obviously to Bolton. Um, and then it's kind of, I think, I think what's been good for me is that the fact that I got released from a Premier League team went all the way back down to the bottom of the ladder, theoretically, and then came back again and kind of went, worked my way back up. And I think it's it left me in, in good stead when I was back up there again because I appreciated it so much more um, and understood what it took to actually stay there and be there. Um, and also, I think it's helped me coming back down again. When you've already played, you know, what I find, I think, when I speak to a lot of Premier League players is that they never want to play outside the Premier League because they they have this sort of, we're too good to play outside the Premier League, you know, yeah. and, and the money and, and, and all the rest of the stuff. And actually, it is just about playing football, you know. I understand that a lot of it does end up being about money, yeah. but the love of just playing football takes over as you come back down again. And if you have yes. that true love for football, you'll play for as long as you can. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. You know, you get some of the players that think, well, I'm not going to play in a championship. I don't, you know, I might have had 10 years in the Premier League. <clears throat> I could go and have another six or seven in the championship, but I'm just going to stick with 10 years in the Premier League and, and stop. Um, you know, so I think that it's helped me coming back down again because also I think it's helped with, with the money. Um, you know, it, it trickles back down again. And to go from being what you're ever on in a Premier League or a Championship to then finish, it's a hard transition, um, really hard transition. So I think that that's helped as well, is that actually each year, each month or whatever it is, that you start to learn and start to transition yeah. with that as well. You're, you're, you're living, you know, your living costs and, and the money that you're earning. And I think it's a, not, it's a better way to come out of the game, actually, to... To slowly trickle back down again. Yeah. Laurie, just take you back to Colchester. Um, obviously, being from Essex, it, I guess it was like kind of a little bit of a homecoming for you from that point of view. But by the end of it, did you sort of go back to that time when you were 
15 and 16 thinking, oh, I made the right choice to play football, should I have gone cricket or athletics, as it didn't work out? Yeah, I mean, Colchester at the time, so my, um, we literally live like 20, 30 minutes from, from Colchester as well. So it was like, for me, it was like, oh, lovely, you know, like just sort of real nice and easy and close. And, and I was kind of, yeah, I mean, you, the fact when I wasn't playing, it was frustrating because I, because I was young and I'd come from a Premier League and I had that I should be playing sort of attitude. Yeah. Um, I probably didn't make the most of being at Colchester, if, if you know what I mean. I kind yeah. of, I was just turning up. I, I was just, you know, turning up, expecting to play, wasn't playing, wasn't actually really doing anything extra to get in the team. You know, I was kind of just coasting. Um, and I think it was a real wake-up call when I left there and then signed for Stevenage because it's actually like, oh, you know, I've wasted a year kind of, of, of coasting. Um, you can't coast. And, and I think that was kind of hit me. It was just like, actually, you can have all the talent in the world, you know, but actually if you coast and, and, and aren't able to use it, then, you know, you might as well not play. So for me, it was awakening and it was like, right, actually, you can do it. You've got the attributes, you've got the talent, like, just put your mind to it. Um, and I think that's what stuck well with me for the rest of my career was actually that mindset um, of sort of making sure that you make the most of your attributes and what you're actually good at because there's there were so many players that were in my Charlton team, you know, academy and stuff and YT that was unbelievably gifted, you know, and I watched them and I used to think, oh, I would never be able to do that skill or I'll never be able to do what you're, what you're doing there. And the vision that you've seen that pass, you know, because I don't see it. And whereas actually I ended up making it and they dropped out of the game. And I, and I used to think like, oh, you had everything. You know, you, you literally had everything. Yeah. You just had the wrong mindset and, you know, and you, and you couldn't just put that on paper. And it, it was just, it was so, it's so weird to look back on and be like, all I actually done was make the most of what I was good at. And that, that was it. You know, had the right attitude and made the most of what I was good at. And I think you can't gloss over though at Stevenage. You played at Wembley, FA Trophy winner, and then obviously the year when you dislocated your ankle and broke your leg as well. You came back really quickly from Ouch. that as well. Yeah, it was a, that was a that was a that was a really hard time as well. That was a really hard time. But again, like you said, I come back really quickly from it. Um, but at the time, I um. I had a really, I had a really good start to the season, and there was like a, a few clubs that were sort of talking and, yeah. and interested and stuff higher up. Can you say um, who now that you know? Or you, you can you say <laughs> or what you heard? <laughs> that was it. That was that was a couple. So there was Barcelona. Uh, no, I would have been gone if there was. <laughs> um, no, there was a couple. There was. I mean, well, Barnet in those days were hard in Stevenage. Yeah, no, they were all higher. Yeah, definitely, but. <laughs> it was I'd done so well that I kind of I got that injury and I was just like oh, I got called up to the England C team which is yeah, basically the yeah. well um, and then so I got called up and I think it was like three or four days after the weekend and and then I broke my leg and dislocated my ankle um, was that the only call up you had for for England at that time as well yeah that was the only one 
Um, oh, gutted. I mean, you know, kind of for me, it was, you know, it, it, it wasn't there, if you know what I mean. Like, I, didn't, yeah. I kind of didn't dwell on it. Um, but, you know, actually in that surgery, the, the, the surgeon said to me, he was like, oh, I'm not sure whether you'll, you'll be able to play football again at the level oh. that, that, you, that you were playing. Yeah. Um, you know, and at that time, I was thinking, come on, like, you know, what, what would I do? Like, that would be it sort of thing. Um, but my mindset was just get back fit. Like, you'll be fine. You'll carry on. Like, I know that I can. Like, I'm young. You know, I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so I didn't dwell on that again as well. I just kind of cracked on and, and I've done as much as I could get back fit. Um, and because I was so dedicated and getting myself fit, you know, I've done a lot of stuff outside of football, not just at the training ground. And like you said, I was back so much quicker than, than expected. Um, I was back sort of within, within the season, really, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, by, by the end of the, the season. And I actually played the last three or four games. Yeah. And, you know, that was my goal. Like, it was kind of like, right, get back. And I didn't actually expect to play. I kind of just wanted to just be back out training and you know, maybe travel. And I remember when I was training and the manager just came over and was like, are you fit? Are you okay? And I, and I was like, yeah, 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 I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and then the next year I was like on the bench and came on and I actually scored um, on my first comeback. So it was, it was just, which obviously doesn't happen very often at all. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that was, that was also really fitting. That was really nice to, to, to come back and do that. But now I look back now and I think, oh, what would have happened if I would have just listened to what the surgeon said, whether that was the truth or not, and whether that was my mindset or, you know, whatever it might, may have been. Um, yeah, and then obviously after that, we then had... I think the next season we got to the playoffs. Yeah. I think we lost lost in the playoffs that, that year um, to Cambridge, which we should have won because we were something like 3-1 up or 3-0 up or something in the first leg. Um, lost that, which was obviously quite a... I think it was probably the best thing that happened to us because after that it was like, right, playoffs doesn't exist. We was like, you either get promoted or nothing at all and, and we that season we just rocked the league you know we sort of completely beat everyone up and, and that was it um, and then into League 2 which carried on and in League 2 again we just had that spirit where it got to that point and there was no we, it was weird like that playoff final felt like we were never going to lose like not at one point in my head did any of any one of the players think that we were going to lose, um, which is a really weird mindset, like to be able to be in. Um, because I look back now and I think, God, <laughs> what would have happened if we'd have lost? If I if I'd have thought that we might lose, like, we actually might have lost. You know that that kind of I was so intent on that we were going to win, I didn't even think about losing. Um, was that the sort of thing that, was that the sort of thing that Graham Wesley was quite good at creating in your head? Yeah, he, he like if I look back now and I it's probably might be a question you might ask or not but if two managers if I could pick two managers of, that I've kind of played my best under or enjoyed playing under yeah one would be Graham Wesley and, and Graham wouldn't be you know as in enjoyed the most because it was hard work like it was hard graft um but Graham learned, I learned how to um mentally prepare myself you know, and physically be prepared sort of for any any eventuality. So like 
nothing was going to break our mindsets at that time. Um, and that was what he, he'd done the best. He got a group of players that all wanted the same thing, all wanted to promote, all wanted to play in the football league, um, would kind of do anything to do it as well to get there. But he worked on, like I said, our mindsets, our brains, you know, how we work, um, how you can actually beat an opposition just by your mindset, just by the games that you play beforehand, just this stigma that, that's around you, you know, the, the whole, you know, the fact that we used to do loads of arm weights and body weights and all of those things. And I remember now that I, I play against or played with players that played in opposition teams in that, that season and those leagues. And they used to go, oh, you boys are massive, you know. You, you know, Even before the game, they'd say, like, when we was in the tunnels and, like, you used to shout things and, like, stamp your feet on the walls and, and like, all things like that. And you think that was just us having a laugh, you know. But it actually used to affect kind of them. Um, so, yeah, so there, there was loads of stuff like that. And like I said, the, the Torquay game, there was that whole two, three months leading up to it, you know, the whole thing was just getting every single player in that mindset. Um, you know, the way we trained, like the way we trained as well was so intense. Like, and, and I don't even mean intense, you know, in, as in hard, really sharp, really fast work. It was just intense, like from nine, 10 o'clock till four o'clock in the afternoon. It was just, everything was so intense, but it was so long. Um, you know, when you train, it was like, grown men training and we had shin pads on we like we were fully kitted out as if we were going to go and play a game and you know if you took a, a slight bad touch like you were getting smashed you know and, and it was but that was like your mindset that was the way you had to train and, you know we used to play a game on friday and we used to call it murder ball literally on a friday on a friday on a friday this is what i mean on a friday we used to put two goals like so close together and you literally just had like three or three teams around and you should just throw the ball in and it was just like go around kicking each other basically are you pnlp the, the other thing i was going to say laurie with with um graham wesley obviously he went to peterborough and he went to preston just didn't work out was it maybe those methods were great for non-league getting up into maybe League 2 and League 1 where it's a bit more cut and thrust but when you step up and you've got to try and maybe change your style a little bit it's something he couldn't quite manage to do Yeah, I think you know, he like I said he, he was he was so set in his ways that mm. he, he found it very hard to probably adapt to certain players he was so used to having players that <clears throat> I don't know, not, not would kind of bow down to anything he said but you know on, along those sort of lines yeah um and also you've got to remember that he had a set of players like i said that were very much had the same goal we all had the same goal we all had the same ambition um whereas he went into you know preston or, and peterborough <clears throat> but had players that had already played in the premier league you know they were on their way down like they they didn't want to you know, do those nine till fours, like, they, that was them, they, they'd had their careers, they were on their way down, and he was then trying to get a mixture of, kind of, just being able to say, see you later to those players, and 
I'll keep those players. And yeah, I just think he didn't have the right, probably went in like a bull in a china shop. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound like Graham Wesley, does it? No. And also, like, trying to probably implement and probably use us as examples yeah. when actually, you know, he probably was going back to their players saying, my boys at Stevenage used to do this, you know, my boys used to do that. And, you know, you've got new players now. You've got to adapt to them. You've got to find out what's good for them, what works for them. Um, and he was so set in his ways that, and that was all he probably knew at the time was how to win. And yeah. that was the way he used to win. So, yes, yeah, so he probably struggled in yeah. that sense. You mentioned there were two managers. Wesley was one. Who was the other one? So, yeah, so the other one would be, like, I'd probably say Chris Powell. And the reason why I would say Powley is, is, is because uh, he... Sir Chris Powell. Yeah, he was such a good man manager. Um, and I think nowadays in, in football, it's actually all about man management skills. Um, and if you, can, if you can get a squad of players on the same page, you know, whether that be... One thing I remember so vividly with Chris is that he used to come off the training pitch we used to finish training and wouldn't happen to be me it'd be absolutely anyone and put his arm around you and, and you'd walk off or you'd go for a walk around the field and he wouldn't talk anything about football you know it would literally be like how's your wife how's your family how's your kid like how's, how's anything what's going on in your life like you know to be able to sit and talk to a manager like that is very rare mm. so for me, it was such a it was such a big thing, and he made it so important the environment that you were in, and the environment is is the key because that's what makes you want to come in. You know, what's the point of having um, you know ten or fifteen players that don't enjoy coming in training, that don't want to be around the, the, the training ground? When if you make that environment so tight and so close and so enjoyable, you know, I used to have a car school and. You know, me, Johnny Jackson, Michael Morrison, Mark Gow at some point, Danny Green. Like, you know, we all used to travel in together and it used to make such a big difference, like coming in and enjoying to come in. And, you know, we'd, we'd go and do events with our wives, you know, girlfriends and stuff. We would go for dinners and the, the whole team would go for dinners. You know, the whole, we'd hire out, you know, a, a restaurant room and every single player and their girlfriends were there, you know we'd go to a show, a theatre, and, and everyone was invited. And they're, they're so key because when you turn up for a game, you just like, you know, your parents come, your wife comes, your family come. And actually to be able to go, right, guys, there's your tickets. And know that they're going to be looked after. You know, know that the family, you know, the, the staff and stuff at Charlton are going to look after your family when you're going to play football, it's such a big peace of mind that makes you perform on the pitch because you're not worrying that, oh, you know, last week that my wife wasn't allowed in the in, in the players' lounge room or, you know, got this, got this, that and the other. Like, all yeah. of those things. Like, I can concentrate on football and that was what they tried to implement so much, you know, Chris Powell and Peter Varney at the time. I think, um, obviously, as people on podcast know, Trevor sticks are back teeth of it. Uh, Charlton is my first love of football. Uh, I follow very closely by Worthing. But um, I, I probably go for a lot of Charlton fans to say that that team that sort of got promoted from League One and when you joined them in the Championship was probably one of the best times in 
the sort of non-premiership years that we've seen for a very long time. And I guess that does have to do with Chris Powell and the way he managed. Am I right? Yeah, 100%. Honestly, the whole group, again, I think that was probably another group, like what I was saying about Stevenage, Mm. that um, were a group of players that were were all of the same sort of age, all kind of earning the same sort of money that we, like the Stevenage group, wanted to play in the league. Yet you had the Cholton group that wanted to play in the championship and, and, and strive for the Premier League. So you had sort of the Stevenage was the non-league up to League Two, League One, and then you had the Cholton, which was like League One, League Championship, and kind of Premier League players. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, I remember you probably remember better than Nigel James, but he, you know, that one season, I think that was the, the first season that League One when he cleared out like. He had made, made about 18. Yeah. He literally got rid of everyone, didn't he? And then yeah. started again. I think like Jack, Jacko and Chris Solid were probably the only two remaining. Yeah. Because um, I think Jacko had come from Lone and then we signed him permanently from Spurs or yeah. something like that. So, you know, so it, that, that sort of stuff was kind of, you know, unheard of really mm. at those times. But he, he managed to get a group of players that all wanted the same thing. You know, again, another thing, all kind of, not local players, but all English sort of homegrown players. Yeah. It's very much like really close-knit group. Um, you had the likes of Jan as well in there. But Lovely every, Jan, love him. To play Championship Premier League and, and that's kind of why I think it worked so well. You, know, you didn't have, you had a couple of the older players. In yeah. The like Fullers and stuff, but they were players that you know, you would think that probably didn't care, but those players were actually probably the ones that you look at and you think, cool, that you know, you still you still want it as much as we do and you're on your way down, you know, and they had the stories to tell. And you know, I remember Ricardo Fuller or sort of, Danny Haynes wasn't playing one game and Ricardo Fuller sort of took him to the side and without Chris or the assistant manager and I'd be like having to say anything and kind of said to him, like, you know, look, this is now your time where you have to sit and concentrate and watch the game, you know, and be like, right, how can I impact it and stuff? And I remember sitting there thinking like, if I, if any other player would probably just be like, don't, don't care. Like, yeah. you know, it's all about me. Um, so yeah, so that, that, you know, it was such a good environment. Really, really. We used to, we used to have so much fun as well. Like, so much <laughs> I, I mean, it did always look to us that, like, you know, to be honest, you, you are team to be a team. And, like, you know, whenever you left the pitch, you were like all together, you'd left the pitch together. It wouldn't be one or two walk off in front of you. You'd always greet us, uh, thank the fans, whatever the result. Um, I mean, sadly, I think ownership issues sort of probably brought to the end of that team in that successful sort of period and we don't need to go into that because that's probably for a separate podcast there's nothing to do with non-league football but um <laughs> I, I i think that's a shame i mean do you f- um one thing i'm going to touch on before we move on to just bolton is that there was a very famous chant that um the charlton fans sung for you i don't know trevor have you heard this song um, i mean it's not offcom rated this so i think i can say the word but um he used to be shy but now he's all right walking <laughs> in a wilson wonderland what was it like the first time you heard that i mean to have a chance sung about you anyway must be pretty good but that one it was so good and then you put it on your twitter handle as well didn't you you actually had it on yeah, your... it, it was so, it was um it was so funny because i, I remember sorry i'm just gonna put this on charge the um it, we was playing a game and, I, and I, I could hear it and i was thinking like, <laughs> is, is that did anyone else hear it as well 
Well, well, as in the players. Yeah, did anyone say anything to you? Well, no, one, no one actually said anything after yeah. the game. Um, and then, obviously, like, I got in the car with my wife and my social media had gone crazy. And it was Twitter <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And, um, and I remember sitting there talking to her and I was like, did you hear that? She was like, yeah, I did. She was like, I'm not sure how to take it. And I was like, how do I take it, you know? It was kind of like, she went, oh, what was the song? It, like, what was it again? We sort of like sung it. And then I had so many people, like half the people were sort of saying, don't listen to it, Laurie. Like, you're this, that, you're so great. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then other people being like, no, like, he's still rubbish. He's crap. You know, this, that, and the other and stuff. And then it was like, no, 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 it's brilliant, Laurie. Don't take it as like whatever. And I just said to my wife, I was like, right, I said, this is like a, a moment where you, I either accept it and, and roll with it and embrace it, yeah. Embrace the whole lot, or I kind of go back against it and, and you know, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And to be honest with you, I laughed my head off at it. And, you know, whether, whether however it was meant, you know, the way I took it made it into what it is now. Yeah, um, it's kind of in one of those folklore. like in Charlton folklore, one of the charts. I think when you adopted it into your Twitter profile, I think everyone just thought, oh, we love this bloke. <laughs> yeah, because it was just like, do you know, for me, it was just, so, I found it so funny. And then, like I said, the thing that was funny after that was that obviously even the players used to talk about like Jacko and Michael in the car and stuff. We obviously had long journeys going in and talking about it and stuff. But for me, it was just so... I literally sat there and said to my wife, like, there's players that play for, you know, clubs and, and they can be one-man clubs, you know, play for 10, 15 years at one club and they will never have a song sung about them. I was yeah. like, and actually, I've been here a season and I've already got a song. I was like, <laughs> so just kind of embrace that, take embrace it. it. And, and to be fair, I've had a song at every club um, so far, apart from probably Ebsleet now and... And Bolton probably uh, Bolton actually no Bolton probably they just started to change as well oh, <laughs> just right. as I was yeah. going, um, but you know that for me was such a big thing and it was like actually just they it's their appreciation however it's said however it's meant it's not I think that's you know, what actually, the way you look at it because obviously they're not going to sing a song about you if they didn't like you I think it's a tongue in cheek song and you know. I mean, I think it's brilliant. Uh, that was coming from the one of the fans oh, who sing up I in said, the North Stand. I loved it. <laughs> I said to my wife as well, I said, I said, there is nothing better. I said, there was the, the third season that I was there, which was obviously the whole ownership change and the manager change and all the rest of stuff. And that was when I kind of found myself not playing as much um, from going sort of playing every game for the last sort of season and a half yeah. to then in the final season, not, not really playing much. Um, I was on the bench a lot, and it was a, it's a tough time for a player, even when you're just yeah. on the bench or not playing or whatever. And I used to remember, and I used to look forward so much to you know going out there, and and even though I wasn't playing, and I'd be gutted that I wasn't playing, but actually I was like, I used to get so much enjoyment, and it used to pick me up so much when I used to go down and warm up, and the song would be sung about me warming up, and I used to think like, this is just incredible, like. 
To, well, Laurie, to... I do I do apologise because although it was I can't take ownership for that song, I was one of the drummers in the North Star with my friend Nick at that time. It's me and Nick were the drummers, so it probably is kind of our fault for getting the beat going on the drum and everything. <laughs> if you want to say anything was... right now, you can tell me to go forth, multiply, whatever. We can end the call now if you want, but I hope no, that's I, love, <laughs> I loved it, man. Honestly, like yeah. it still it's like I, even the other day when I went to do the the valley um, TV. And I just, I was there and I was just thinking like, it would be so amazing right now to like hear Well, you know for a fact if they'd been fans, like, it would have been sung and they probably would have had a problem, wouldn't they? <laughs> well, like, this is what I'm like, this is what I was like, I'm gutting no one's here because it's not even about the joy for like, just for me, because it's just like, it just yeah. brings so much joy yeah. and laughter and that's, no, that's I love it. I mean, it. I think that's the sad thing obviously about what, what's going on with COVID at the moment, but you know, moving sort of back to the Charlton years, obviously you came back, obviously buzzing to be back at the club you started your career with. Do you think, I mean, I, I, I appreciate if you don't want to, was, was ownership issues one of the main reasons why you moved on to Bolton? Was it this in and out of management that sort of moved you on to Bolton because you said you spent a lot of time on the bench but when you were there with Powell you were playing pretty much every game it must have been quite tough to see it all going on at Charlton at the time and then is that making you and the other players think because I think that was the obliteration of our squad we could have possibly pushed up and up and up with the players we had but going back and thinking with Roland taking over you know the mess it was and all these managers being in and out it must have been a tough time so naturally was that you thinking i've got to go somewhere else or was it kind of just you felt like it's time for a change yeah i mean listen i i um i think it's right really that 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 season when it did change over um you know you, you had the likes it, it was so i hate to say it because it's it's really hard as a footballer like people think you earn all this money you're doing this you're doing what you love um, anything that's happening off the field shouldn't affect you. And actually, when you're when you're turning up for training and you're just about to go out to train, and two players turn up in a taxi with suitcases, and they're like, and then the manager sort of looks at them and doesn't know what's going on, and then they go to the manager and say, "Oh yeah, we're here to train," and 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 you're just just like the manager's like, "I don't know who you are. Like, you know, get changed if you've been told to get changed." and kind of come and train um you know and then you get to a point where you're playing as well as you can in training and playing as well as you can in games and you get told on the friday on the thursday yeah. uh, look you're not going to play on saturday because the owners told me that i've got to play this certain player in, in that position because he's he signed him and then you, you kind of start to think oh, like where's this going you know i could there's only so much i can prove and I can and fight, you know, because actually the manager's got his hands tied and, and, and Chris had his hands tied. The Premier Non-League Podcast. So Laurie, just just for the listeners, like Trevor sits there looking all confused. Obviously, I know what's going on. What when you say players turn up a taxi, what was actually happening? Like what 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 were these people turning up? What what was the reason for it? So the so the owner at the time, obviously Roland, he he had another club that he obviously owned um, in uh, standard the age, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and what he what his concept was was that he thought that well, if I'm paying players over there and I'm paying players here, the ones that are not playing over there, because he basically he thought that standard the age was a better level than Charlton, so he right. thought that they were you know the players for them would be better than Charlton, so he thought they were higher up. Um, so he thought well, if they're that good, I'm just going to come and basically pick them out there and put them into Charlton and now play and Charlton get promoted and, you know, all happy days. 
um, they turned up and they weren't very good. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> basically. Uh, that's being yeah. polite, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. There, Just there use that few... word. Use that word that was in your song. I think. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, there was a few that were okay that that were, that were that were good, but not. You know, they weren't at the level that we had got to. Yeah. And the players that we needed weren't then. Basically, if we'd have had a little bit more um, for the players that came in, we probably might have pushed a little bit further. We might have got to the playoffs. We might have, you know, all the low sort of things when actually they were bringing players in that were disrupting the team, were, were disrupting the river, were putting the manager on, on, a, on, a, on the back foot all the time, you know, putting pressure on him that didn't need to be there because we were, we were doing okay and we were doing well. And all of those things sort of started to come into play. And I think that's when, like you said, I think that's when it's hard for a player to look and say, well, I'm doing everything I possibly can on, on the training pitch to play. And actually, it's got nothing to do with the manager. You know, the owner's not even here watching training, not watching the games. And, and yet he's playing somebody in front of me. Um, it changed a little bit once Chris went because the, the, owner, the managers that then came in kind of played those players, but then they quickly realised that they weren't good enough. You know, and then you kind of got drip, drip fed back in here and there. Um, but the, the third season was probably the worst season because you had like Bob Peters came in um, and he <laughs> he was he was very much just like, no, this is the way I'm going to play. This is what I'm going to do. You either, you're kind of on board or, 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 or you're not. And, you know, even though you're trying and you're there, you were never going to play. I, I knew I was never going to play, you know, it, it, you kind of, as well as I would train, as well as I would do anything, I knew I was never going to play. Um, so in my head, that last season was very much like, there become a point where even Michael Morrison, for instance, he went out and played because, you know, he had played for the last three seasons, you know, every single game, every single minute, um, a rock at the back. So then suddenly not, not getting a game, you know, and you got like, so, so for, for me, it was, it was like, right, well, if that's happening to Michael, you know, it's only happening to me. So he went, I saw that he had some success obviously going. So I thought actually it might be time. Well, to be honest with you, it, I wouldn't say that. I, I wasn't like, it might be time. I was thinking to myself, I probably won't be here next year. But that won't be because I don't want to be here. Yeah. I actually tried my best to be like, what can you offer me? Do you want to offer me anything? Like, you know, because I want to be here, I want to be a part of it. You know, I love the club, like all the rest of the stuff. So actually, it was them that said no, um, which was which is obviously tough to take for whatever reasons. Um, the re- I won't tell. Actually, I will tell you one one of the reasons. <laughs> um, do you remember the country? Oh, mate, you don't, oh, that's a swear word in this house. Oh, yeah, she, she, she told me that apparently I've got one, basically I've got one leg longer than the other, right? So she was like, he's going to be injury prone. This is what she said to the physio, like, Laurie is going to be injury prone because he's got one leg longer than the other. And she's a trained lawyer or something. Yeah, and the physio said, the physio said to her, he's played... He's played for the last two seasons. He's played over 100, 100 games for this club. Like, 
I don't think he's very injury prone. <laughs> it's like she was like, no, no, no. But we've been told by you know this, that, and the other people that have. Oh, by, what, by that kid, the kid that sat in his bedroom watching football manager and scouting <laughs> for us. What was his name? Dryson or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so like all things like that, and I just think it was just it just wasn't meant to be. Oh, um, Jesus, it gets wild more and more bemused. Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, like I said, like I, I even tried. We even nearly, I nearly came back. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, under like, what manager? So that was under... Um, uh, do, 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 do. Oh, my God, I forgot his first name. Rob, Robinson. Robinson, Carl Robinson. Yeah, yeah Carl, that's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so it was in the pre-season. Yeah. Um, and where was I? I just left... Port Vale? No, I just left Bolton. Okay. I, I, I was injured. And I was actually I was actually away on holiday because mm. um, I hadn't had a car yeah. at the time, and um, came back and uh, Charlton went to Ireland, I think it was that year, and um, and they kind of said like, look, you know, do you want look, you can basically come over. There's got to be some, there's something there for you if maybe if you want. And they was like, come over, we'll have a look at you, we'll have a watch, all of that kind of stuff, and. In hindsight, I probably should have just gone, but my agent at the time was like, listen, like, you don't need to prove yourself that you've played in the last five years, you've played over, what was it, like 150, you know, 160 championship games. Like, you don't need to go and prove yourself to Carl Robinson, who you've played against many, many times. Like, he knows what you're about. Charlton knows what you're about. Like, if they want you, I don't mind you going there, but at least go there with something, you know, in hand sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, because I was like, you kind of just, whatever, anyway. I didn't, it didn't um, go any further than that. Um, nothing ended up happening. And then I ended up signing at Port Val, um, yeah. which, again, didn't do well at the start because actually I was, I was injured and I actually needed a really good pre-season, but I missed pre-season because of all this was going on. So I missed pre-season, came in, and where I'd been injured, I hadn't had a pre-season, I hadn't played any friendlies, I hadn't played any games. And I basically got chucked straight in and I was, you know, I'd honestly hold my hands up and I wasn't I wasn't fit, I wasn't ready. Um, and I had a really bad start. The, the whole team had a bad start. The manager got sacked after two months and then the new manager came in. I'd signed a two-year contract. The new manager came in and went, uh, there's the list, basically, you're on it, <laughs> that I don't want. Oh, um, God. I mean, it must I have just... been frustrating for you because obviously you got frozen out at Charlton because of ownership issues. Um, Neil Lennon didn't seem to really want to play at Bolton that much after a while, did he? And then you've gone to Port Vale and you've kind of been frozen out again. It's so three seasons almost. The thing, well, no, the, the, the thing with Bolton, the thing, the thing that sort of with Bolton was that I went there, Neil Lennon signed me, I started the season really well, had a bad game, real bad game. The whole team and I was bad, gave away a goal. Um, we had a discussion about it and I kind of explained why I'd done a couple of things. Um, and he just didn't agree with it whatsoever. So that was it. I was kind of like frozen out for a few months. Went on loan to Peterborough for a month, came back, and then ended up going back in the team towards the end of the season. Um, played to the end of the season. He then left. 
new owners came in, uh, Phil Parkinson took over. Um, I ended up, Phil Parkinson basically told me that I was going to basically be cover, wasn't going to find a player. He wanted, you know, fullbacks in. Got the fullbacks in that he wanted. Um, ended up, one of them got injured. I then came in um, and then I didn't come back out again. Um, and played every game for like 31 games, I think it was, 32 games. And then he, um, that year, we was obviously looking at promotion. I got injured. I had to have surgery. So I was out for the rest of the season. Um, and my contract was up. We got promoted. And I was thinking, oh, like, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen? And I was thinking, I've played, you know, over half the games for you this year in, in a promotion winning team. Um and yeah, he just he literally just said like, no, there's nothing there for you, like money-wise. The, the problem was was that yeah. we were all on championship money, um, and you had the likes of David Wheaton there, Jay Spearing, Darren Prattley, like all of these players were still earning in the championship, they were on like you know 20 grand sort of thing. And in League One, they didn't get deductions. So they were still paying that money in League One mm. and their contracts were up. So they gambled that we would get promoted, which, you know, thankfully we did for them. Yeah. But at the end of that year, they just went, see you later, you know, for absolutely everyone. Um, so, yeah, so that was a bit of a gutting bit, really. For, for me, more than anything, it was actually the fact that I was still injured. And as a club, I thought that actually for what I'd done, for you to say nothing at all, like even if they'd have gone, you know, there's a month or there's four months or there's yeah. six months, get yourself back fit, see where you're at. If it doesn't work, you can go. Um, but the fact they just said no, nothing at all, I was like, fair enough, you know, and, and moved on. And that was when I went to Port Power, didn't really work. Got that. Thankfully, um, a very good friend of mine was a manager at Ebbsfleet at the time. They had a lot of money. <laughs> Didn't they just? Didn't they just? Yeah. And um, in that time, I, I basically, he called me. He, he'd been calling me when I was at Bolton. Um, so it's Daryl. Daryl, yeah. He was asking me what I was earning at Bolton. And, and I told him, and he was like, and he, and he went, no problem, no problem. Yeah, I was, like, <laughs> I was, I was thinking, let me do this for Yeah, and he just said, well, we might have to wait a little bit longer for that one. So that was kind of, that, that kind of just took a back seat and just kept in contact. And then I told him what I was on at um, Port Val. And I just said, look, you know, obviously we're up here, we live up here, just had a baby, got no family up here. Um, this is what I'm on, like, what can you do? And basically, they, he was just like, right, I'll, we'll match it. You know, this is in the league two. And he basically just went, we'll match what you're on. You know, we'll, you can come home, um, you've got your family, you've got your kids, like, you've got your parents, you've got everyone close by. Um, we'll give you two and a half years as well. Um, and and that, this, was, this was me at 30, you know, and I was thinking... Oh, it's like you know, it's a no-brainer for me, really. Did, did you um, check it wasn't April the first? <laughs> <laughs> so I just, for me, I was just like, right, I'm on the first, I'm on the first train home. <laughs> so, first, you know, first year I start if you could get on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, right, like you know, we're going back, and 
my, my wife was still actually up in, in Manchester at the, time, at the time with the newborn baby for the next sort of four months while I sort of travelled. Um, and then we moved back down um, into our house that we obviously still had here. Um, yeah, and, and then that was that was kind of the, the non-league start back again. And, you know, thankfully it, I was able to earn that money for the whole time that I had that contract. Not that they wanted to pay it, but, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, we got there in the end. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and I'm very thankful for that. And I, and I made, obviously, make sure that you make the most of those sort of times because after that, I, I knew that that was kind of going to be it anyway. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was two and a half. That was good. That was some good times as well there, really, because I came into a good, a good team, um, you know, a good way that Daryl wanted to play and, had some very good players. Um, I think that first season got to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, lost the main stone. Lost in the lost the lost in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and then the following year, um, I think it might be the following year. Following year, we started really badly. Darren ended up getting sacked, yeah. didn't he? And then we just we just missed out on the playoffs. Yeah. Um, we just missed out on the playoffs. And then the following season was a Gary Hill, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he, he, we, didn't, we started horrendous. Yeah. He got a sack. And then, and then Kevin Watson took over. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously the season got finished. Um, and I knew then, because of the contract that I was on, I knew that, to be honest with you, I, I was, I knew that they were going to, well, not what they were going to offer me, but I knew that it was going to be well over half of what I was earning. I knew yeah. that. Um, and I was ready to accept that because I enjoyed it actually. I enjoyed the club, like, I enjoyed everyone around it and stuff. And I was kind of ready to just go, yep, yeah, not a problem, you know, let, let, let's go again, sort of thing. Um, and then what they actually offered was a little bit of an insult. Really? Really, yeah. And, and I kind of just said, like, I can, I can earn more for like, with my company, like, and, yeah. and you've actually probably going to get really like, we're all going to get relegated anyway. <laughs> the game. Yeah. So I was like, you're going to be in the conference south full time, which yeah. I can't really do anymore because of work. Um, and I'm going to be earning less than I could, you know, basically working full time and, and playing part time. So <clears throat> thankfully I knew Paul Kuczewski, <clears throat> sorry. And, um, yeah, he just said to me, look, these are the figures that we're, we're going to be paying this year. Um, if it's of interest to you, then great. And I said, look, you know, um, it's not about the money for me anymore. It's actually just the, the fact that, you know, you're local and um, you've got a good squad, you've got a good team. I would, I would like to sort of play with you and for you and that again. And, you know, that, that was kind of it really for me. And, and, and I've not looked back since really doing that because... I'm actually just enjoying football. I'm enjoying my time, and yeah, it's good. It's it's a nice it's a nice place to be at at the moment. And Villarica as a club as well, you know, they're, they're going about things the right way. They're doing a lot of things off the field in the right manner. Um, so you know, thankfully they've they've lost that stigma. Hopefully this yeah. year of happening and yeah. throwing money and stuff. You know, not not to say they don't have money um, because there's four owners that have got a lot of money. 
but they're just making sure that they don't go over budget, that they are doing the right things, um, which I think is good, you know, and, and it's, it's sort of you, you're only going to get the players that actually want to be there rather than the players that want to be there for the money and, you know, get injured and, and not, not bother playing for the rest of the season and collect their money. Yeah. Going back to the time when you were at Epsleet the first, first year, two questions out of that. First one was, obviously, the wages were very good. The players were also very good as well. But was there a lot of expectation that playoffs was the minimum given the outlay that was, you know, given? Did, did you know, was there a lot of pressure on Daryl to, you know, uh, deliver that? Um, I think... I think the players and, and Daryl probably just we put it on ourselves, really. I think that you know you were you were always you're always the underdog, you know that that kind of like not sorry not the underdog, like everyone kind of whoever we were playing felt like they were the underdogs, like we were kind of overpowering them because of the money situation. But it put more that they want to beat us. You know, every game felt like it, they wasn't playing us. They wasn't playing Eversley like. They were playing like the owner, yeah, and kind of like that. It had that every every game you went to, every team you went to, you know, whether they would win, you know, or draw against you, it was it felt like they beat you all the time. Um, so I think that that by putting that on yourselves and seeing that firsthand kind of makes you think, right, okay, like you know, actually we should be where we are, where we are, you know, we should be players, we should be fighting for those sort of spots. Um, also, you've got to bear in mind that we they'd just come up, hadn't they, that season? Yeah. So that was the first season again as well. So I was taking a few teams by surprise, little things like that. Um, I think the playoffs was probably a step too far that year. Um, but the following year was probably more of just a disappointment, really. Um, and I think that probably just goes back to maybe just a bit of... Um, Daryl not finding his the, the, the best team, the team that, yeah. that worked for, for, for him because what what you had was a lot of very good individual players, but just in that second year just couldn't find the right fit, the right team. And I think also in that first season, um, there was a lot more structure, you know, there was a lot more, you know, you knew who the back four were gonna be each week you kind of knew here and there without injuries you knew who was going to be playing in those sort of positions um, so you can kind of get a little bit more of a feel to it you, you get used to someone playing next to you playing in front of you all of those things and in the second season when you're doing well as well it's okay to go one or two games and do that when you're not winning and you're towards the bottom and it's you've got pressure from above you've got pressure from fans you've got all of those other things suddenly manager keep they, they swap and change players quite a lot and then sometimes that can be have a bit of a detrimental effect on, on the team because you're constantly in out in out in out and you don't know really what's going on you, you, when you've got so many players as well you can do it with so many different players it, it, it's hard it's hard to find that balance and I don't think he found that balance quick enough um, that season yeah. Um, so yes, I think that's probably where where we struggled that year. And then bringing it back to day, you know, Daryl's in charge at um, Dagenham. It's no secret they spent a lot of money on players. Players are on good wages. I know that. Do you think maybe again it's a little bit of that? Not quite sure of his, you know, 
the right formation, the right team to play as to why they're struggling in the bottom, you know, eight rather than being in the top four? Yeah, again, like, like I said, it's, it, sometimes, a, you know, Daryl's been, been lucky in, in those two jobs that, you know, financially that the, the owners have, have backed him. Um, you know, when you look at Macclesfield, for instance, you know, they didn't have a lot of money at the time. Mm. And, you know, he was he went under the radar of, of yeah. doing well for Macclesfield because there was no pressure. There was no, you know, oh, you've got to win this game. You've got to win that game. You've got to win this game. Whereas suddenly a manager backs you and you've got that pressure again of, you know, you've got to win every week. And that's hard for some managers to, to take. And, you know, some, some people find it, it is hard to find that, that balance of those. You start having injuries, whatever it might be. But also, I think as a player, and Daryl probably knows as well, being a player, that the best way of being is actually having a bit of confidence from, mm. from your manager, from your backroom staff, and sort of being like, go out there and play two or three, four games. You know, don't worry. Like, you're not going to keep coming in and out, in and out, in and out, because it just puts that bad taste and you know that you have a bad game and you think oh, I'm out now I'm not going to play again you know whereas if you have a bad game everyone's entitled to a bad game but it's how you yeah. react to that bad game and if you're never able to have a reaction and show them then you know you, you're never going to see that reaction you're always going to see the oh bad game here good game yeah. here that bad game there Inconsistency, and then last season, obviously, we touched on it earlier the relegation with Ebb's fleet and everything. And I mean, I saw you guys at Maidenhead when you won 3 1, where you played absolutely superbly that night, and then the game against Halifax. I spoke to Kev about probably four or five weeks ago. Um, I've been trying to pin him down since last season and finally got him in front of a Zoom camera. It was flipping hard work, and it was literally about two weeks after he got the Billericay job, as it was. Um, it looked for him because I was champ- chomping at the bit for to try to get him, you know, as one of the candidates into Barnet in the summer. Um, you know, I thought his style would have fitted with what I saw, what he put together last year. Did he give you that, you know, belief that you were going to stay up? You know, you were on that run as well. Um, after, you know, the, as you said, the start under Gary was shocking. And then, you know, Kev stepped up and there just seemed to be that kind of culture change. Kev, Kev has like a, a totally different, like between Kevin and Gary Hill, obviously they've both got a totally different style and concept of, of football. Yeah. You, know, you know, Gary Hill's, no, he's got his way and he knows his way and when he gets the right players, it works. You know, it worked for what, you know, the points we got when Gary Hill took over from Daryl, um, you know, was kind of like top two, four yeah. come the end of the season when we just missed the playoffs. So, you know, when he gets the right players, he knows what he's doing. But that season, that squad was dismantled. You know, he had a new squad to kind of work with. It didn't really work. So he brought in good players. But I think the way that he was trying to play didn't fit those players. Yeah. And when kind of Kev took over, he knew he could see the talent in the players and just said, right, this is the way I want you to play. You know, this is what I want you to do. You've got to remember that Kev was learning in that first mm. season as well as manager because he'd mostly been assistant manager. Yeah. So he was learning things as well, which you could which you could tell. Um whereas now he um he's learned so much from that that when you look at him now and, and, and I speak to the owners at Billericay and, and they just say like he's so he's so calm, he's so 
much more, you know, knows where knows what he wants, knows where he's going. You've got to remember the situation that he's been put in that any other manager sometimes, you know, would be would be going crazy that the fact that their first team players are on furlough yeah. and the twenty three the twenty threes are playing every week and you've got to manage twenty threes that the players that you don't even know. You know, so for him to handle those situations and, and be put in there and just be like, right lads, you know, here we go, like let's let's get it going, sort of thing. It, it, it sort of it's very shows what he's like as a manager, and I think that he will succeed as a manager, um, and he will go higher because he's got he knows what he wants, he knows how to play the game right, and you know he, he's not he's not silly. If, if the ball's got to be you know kicked long, he will like if the, if he wants you to play it from the back, he will get you to play it from the back, but he'll make sure that everything's covered um, through, throughout that week make sure that no stone is, is, is sort of left unturned, really. So having played under all these different managers, um, you know, right from Charlton all the way down to, you know, to uh, Billericay, is coaching where you want to go maybe as a part-time thing alongside what you're doing with your company? I mean, I've been asked this a lot, really. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not a coachy manager sort of person I, I like to I love my fitness yeah I love keeping fit I love I'm a very active person so you know whether I'm you know training or not training like, I'll always be doing something myself so you know I love going on bikes I like cycling on the road like, I've got bikes at home you know gym like all of that stuff so I'm you know my wife's a yoga teacher so you know we do a lot of all of that stuff um for me more than anything though I just if I were to go back in the game, it'd actually probably be more along the lines of the fitness side of things, the coaching. Yeah. I'd probably do an assistant, like coach manager's role. Like, say, for instance, someone like Jacko, if I was ever asked, I would love to do it um, because I could do it, if you know what I mean. But it, it's not something that drives me, wakes me up every morning that, that I want to go and, you know, coach this person and that yeah. person and kids and, and all the rest of stuff, but if the opportunity came up and I thought it was right, I would 100% love to do it and would give everything I got because the older I'm getting and, and watching managers the way they manage and the way they coach and stuff, it, it does start to tick your brain and you start to think, oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it like that, or <laughs> I really like that session, or you know, yeah. I would take that from that session and all of those things. So I've got the repertoire, I've got what I what I think would be good and what would be bad. So if the opportunity arises, then yeah, 100, I'd probably take it. But I'm not actively out there looking for it, asking and trying. If you know what I mean. Yeah. You think it could be more of a thing to go alongside your full time career now, where you're maybe playing in Ismian type leagues of football, like National South, to keep that part timer. If you're enjoying the work, um, playing for basic as long as you can and you feel fit and able to, is that sort of probably what the longer lines of you do next, Laurie? Yeah, definitely. I, I just, I just want to just keep playing football and just, you know, use use this football time now to just, you know, enjoy, and use it to be active. Because hey, listen, you know, training two nights a week for me helps because mm. it's my it's my release. You know, it's been I've been able to everyone's kind of been locked down and mm. to go out two nights a week and train or, or play a game yeah. on the weekend is 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 so good for men mentally, um, not let alone physical. Um, and to be able to, you know, train with other people because we all know how boring 
you know, you can be sometimes when you go for a run on your own or I don't know so. what running is, mate. To be fair. I don't really know what that is. <laughs> For a walk. <laughs> What's um, one of them? <laughs> yeah, no joke. But like, you know, stuff like that, you just think, yeah, I'd rather get be with other people. And if that, if that means sort of, you know, playing football and, and just enjoying it. And, and also, it's quite nice for me to now be able to talk to the academy, talk to the younger lads and hmm. kind of just tell them and show them paths and just make them understand the game a little bit because at this level that one they are inconsistent you know two they are learning the game they don't understand the, the things that you need to know and you know i think it's key for young lads that they actually understand and realize that um they need to be consistent and yeah. managers need to you know understand that that's actually what gets you in the team is being consistent it's not it's not that being skillful and having one good game. It's actually having four or five good games. It's about being level, you know, seven out of ten, six out of ten every game. Mm. It's no good being nine out of ten for two games and then being two out of ten. You know, they want six and sevens, you know, and then the occasional eight or nine. That, that's what managers want. Yeah. Well, if you ever fancy a change of scenery, there's a nice club called Worthing on the South Coast that I'm sure we'd love to see you at. So if you ever fancy a drive on a Tuesday night down to the sunny South Coast, uh, we'd love to see you down here. But um, Laurie, just to sort of wrap up on this fantastic, you know, interview, we kept you. Uh, I mean, I did say to you when we were messaging, I said, it's, it's as long as you take. And, you know, you've done all the talking, mate. So it, it's not our fault we're still here in um, half later. Once, we'll be... once you get me started, mate, I'm uh, it's, it's the best way to do it. Um, I don't think you beat Chris Dixon quite yet because his was oh. really clear. Yeah, yeah, this was nearly yeah. two hours, but you know, it's all, it's all these guys from Essex, aren't they? You know, even Orange <laughs> Church, everything like that. Um, I think just to finish it off, um, instead of ending it on a low, what's sort of the worst moment in your career been um, throughout either non-league or professional football as it is? Um, Signing for Port Vale now, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, um, yeah, no, my, my worst, I mean, the worst part would probably be the the breaking of the leg, yeah. really. Um, that would just be a moment in time that, you know, a lot of stuff off the field was going on as well in my life that was all just a bit whoa sort of thing. Um, so that, I'd say that was probably my hardest hardest time in football. Yeah. Um, what about the best then? Like, let's let's finish it on the best. I'm, sounds like you've had quite a good few highs in your career, but like... If you but could, speaking to us, take, of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> Premier non-league podcast. And I, I mean, we have got a gap on the board if you want to do it every week. But hey, uh, no, in all honesty, my, uh, um, my, my highlights looking at all your WWE belts. Oh yes, mate. Oh, some of the food shakes. It. My wife says I'm a sado, but you know, like there you go. It's like there you go. But, um, yeah, there's the highlight for tonight. Um, but your one moment that you can take to sort of uh, your, your bravery. I mean, one, yeah, one one moment. I mean, you. It's hard to say that nowadays. I mean, back then, for me, playing at Wembley as a kid, like, was just the dream. And to have done that, to have played yeah. at Wembley twice, is like, you know, there's the best kind of thing that could could happen. And for a kid, someone that's dreamt of that for you know since they were a kid, I'd, I'd probably say that. Um, you know, you've got the whole promotion, this plan at Old Trafford. You know, I just think generally just lifting trophies because yeah. as a footballer unless you are in you know the top four of kind of you know the Premier League and you very rarely lift trophies and I think you look back on certain people's careers you know 
you could go into the Premier League and say someone's played 15 years in the Premier League, but you know, have they ever lifted the trophy? You know, have they ever had that 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 feeling? That, mm. I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of someone. I'm trying to think of someone like maybe Mark Noble. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. unbelievable career, like unbelievable. You know, and, and probably go on. Oh, I'd swap that sort of tomorrow. But then to look on someone else and be like, you know, I've had that, that, you know, that camaraderie in a group of players where you've gone the whole season and you've won something at the end of it. And, you know, you still, like Stevenage group, I've still got Stevenage group that we talked to, you know, that, that whole era that there's a group of lads and you still reminisce about those, those times. Like, you know, if you don't win those trophies, you're probably just friends with one or two of them that you might still yeah. keep in contact with. Whereas because you've gone through a journey and you've won something at the end of it, it's like, do you remember that? Do you, do you remember this? Do you remember that? And, and yeah, I think something like that, their, their highlights probably in my, my career is, is those moments. I guess you could sum it up like, um like being a Spurs fan really and like you know never getting into <laughs> yeah. that point I'd rather be a Charlton fan I've seen us like lift a trophy uh Trevor Trevor supports Spurs as well so yeah. so I've, it's a little 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 I've seen us lift a trophy at Wembley digger. so don't you worry how <laughs> um, six, 60 years ago or something like that hey um, <laughs> Laurie um thank you so much for giving up your time this evening I mean it's been an absolute pleasure and you know it makes mm. our life so much easier when you know we could just let you speak and you know it's been a fascinating career um I would say it's a shame of obviously the tailing because as being Worthing fans here we may have been promoted into the National South we could have shared a beer with you next season or something nice, after the game. but um, the FA have got something to say that but again I think that's another <laughs> podcast entirely isn't it and I'm sure uh, I'm sure we don't want to be taken off the air I'll just, I'll just have to keep playing for another year or two till you get promoted yeah. yes please mate hopefully it will come sometime soon as long as you don't go to anywhere near the green slime Bogner down the road then we don't really care but um, Laurie it's been an absolute pleasure mate thank you so Always. much it's been fascinating um and yeah, look after yourself, stay safe, and um, I look forward to sort of more on Valley Pass and, you know, seeing what you do with Billy Ricky next season. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for your time as well. Good questions. Cheers, Cheers guys. Care, See mate. you later. Have Bye. a good evening.